Now God speaks to us in his word. Psalm 107, 1 through 9, which for those of you that have been going to um, discipleship class for the adults, um, we learned about these different books within Psalms from Mike. Thank you very much. So this is book five. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble, and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. This is the word of the Lord. A few years ago, um, there was a pastor, and he, uh, he told his church uh, and all of his supporters, hey, w- this is a, a giving emergency, Every, all, all hands on deck. Uh, there, was, there was a need, and it was time for his people to step up and give. In return, he said, uh, these people would be uh, you know, blessed by God for giving sacrificially for this need. What was that need, you ask? Starving orphans or, uh, you know, you know a, a school that... No. <laughs> uh, this pastor, uh, his name is Creflo Dollar, he had a, ma- a maintenance issue with his private jet. And it was just not safe for him to be flying anymore, you know, because it was like 30 years old. And so God had told him to ask for the desires of his heart. Guess what his desire was? We got a picture of it. If you know anything about airplanes, that's a Gulfstream G650. The asking price is about $67 million. And that's a used one. I mean, he wasn't asking for a brand new one. He was asking for a used one for $67 million. Guess what? He got it. He has it. That's his plane. Now, maybe God did ask him or tell him to ask for the most expensive private jet that a person can own. And maybe he is stuffing it with food and medical supplies. Though if he was going to do that, why not buy a cargo plane instead of the most luxurious aircraft a person could own that, you know, Beyonce has one of these too. Um, I don't know. I show you this this morning uh, to say stuff like this is why people don't trust pastors when they talk about money. <laughs> and so, for, so, you know, pastors, except for guys who are really good at asking for money, like this one who got himself a $67 million jet, most pastors are, are nervous to talk about money. And so since we are going to talk about money this morning, just know I'm a little bit nervous. 
And that's okay. You're probably a little bit nervous, too. Uh, a professor in seminary once told me, people are funny about money. It will be always is the weirdest thing to do is to talk about money in the church. It just is. And so we just kind of have to acknowledge that from the beginning. We're talking about money this morning. Um, but don't panic. I want you to say out loud, it's going to be okay. All right. Okay, good. Because I'm not asking for a jet this morning. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not coming for your wallet, I promise, today. That's not the goal of this message. This morning, we get to see Paul again. And, and if you've been with us, we've been in Philippians since the end of August. So, and we're going to finish it today, which some of you maybe are excited about. Um, but this morning, we get to see what Paul tells his really good friends uh, about money and about their giving and about his needs and about what God does in the mix of all of that. And so we're going to see that all this morning. So let's pray together as we start that. Father, would you guide us this morning in what we do and what we say as we hear your word? Father, let us, let us keep our hearts open. I know for me it's, um, it, it, it's tempting to shut down um, with something like this, but God, remind us that this is your word and your truth. Help us to hear it. Help us to listen. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we are in Philippians chapter 4, and again, we are going to finish the passage, this, uh, finish the whole book this morning, and so we're going to read verses 14 through 23. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greetings every saint, or sorry, greet every saint, in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So this is a little bit of a continuation from, from last week. It's, it's you know, the, the way he's ending the letter, um, you know, talking to his friends. And I, and I said last week, it's a little bit of a weird, weird passage it, it, it reads weird. It feels weird. Um, I, I had a, another professor who always used to say, remember when you're reading these letters of the New Testament, you're reading somebody else's mail, right? Paul sent a letter to the Philippians who knew exactly the situation and the circumstances. We do our best to try to understand what's going on and, and know the context of the situation. There's probably some stuff we don't know. Um, but... Um, but, you know, as I said last week, Paul, Paul is trying to tell his friends that he appreciates them for their sacrificial gift. They have given a, a tremendous gift to him. 
But he doesn't want to sound superficial. He doesn't want to communicate. He only loves them because they've given him money. He doesn't want to communicate. Remember, we've said there was a delay. He doesn't want to communicate. Boy, it sure was, would have been nice if this had come sooner. He doesn't want to communicate any of those things. And so, so he is trying to be careful in Paul's own way here to show how much he appreciates it, but also to show that there's, you know, God is, God is doing something else too. Um, Paul knows that, that this church has very little. Yet out of their, their love for Paul and their desire to see the gospel go forward, they are doing what they can to support Paul. So, so that, that's kind of what's happening here. This is not a rich church. We, we know from other places in Scripture, they, they had a real need. They, had, they were in, in poverty, yet they're still giving. You know, why is a good question. Why were they still giving, uh, insisting on still giving, even when people said, hey, you guys are okay, don't, don't worry about it. They insisted. So this passage really is uh, about a thankful Paul thanking and encouraging his friends. And, and of course, he's going to use their generosity, as he always does, as a teaching moment, as an example of how things should be. And so I just want us to look at this passage again and, and, and kind of take a few key concepts that I think Paul is trying to give his friends there in Philippi and us as well. So let's go back there to your, in your Bibles to verse, verses 14 through 16. We'll look at that once again. He says, Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. So I, th- I think the first point that Paul is, is going to make, wants to make, that we need to see here is, is that giving makes us partners in the ministry of the gospel. Um, you know, Paul, Paul tells the Philippian church here that, that they get the joy and blessing of saying that they were with Paul in all of his missionary journeys. The, the, the church at Philippi, comes, uh, he, he comes and, and establishes a church there pretty, pretty soon in his ministry, and they're with him the whole way. In fact, he says they're the only church that really is the church that, they're like his sending church, his supporting church. They, and he says, well, you guys are partners. You've been partnering in the gospel with me ever since. Um, it, it's really cool to be able to say you're a partner. In, in everything, you know, Paul's traveling the world, and they get to say, hey, we're, we're partners in that. And, and I, I love this about, you know, Christianity. I love this about ministry. Do you know that Kishwaukee Church has helped people come to know Christ in Japan? Because we support the Schaefers as missionaries in Japan, everything that, that happens through their ministry, we, we are a part of. We get to say that we're a part of that. And, and so we get the good, to share in the good news. And some of you maybe get their, their uh, newsletter where they get to, hey, sh- we're sharing. Uh, some college kid is meeting with us and is asking some questions about the Bible. We're a part of that because this church gives to them. And, and that's the same with the orphanage in Mexico that, that I know this church has supported for many years. It's the same with Rockford Rescue Mission. Every meal that gets served, every person that gets put, taken on, in off the streets and, and given safety, we're part of that because we're, we're mission ministry partners with them and what we give to support them. 
You know, the list could go on. We, we, this church does an incredible job of supporting other ministries and missions and missionaries. Um, really, really neat that what we do here. And so if you give to this church, you are a partner uh, in, in everything that happens here. And, and that's from keeping the lights on to, um, you know, the worship service, the music, the sermon, if you want to take part of that, and you may not want to. Um, but to the youth group, to all the children's events, the ministries that are happening with our kids, you get to take credit for some of that. And you get to be excited that you're a part of it. And I just think that's so cool. You know, so for some people, it's helpful to even think about giving as like investing. I'm investing in the work of Christ. In the, in the, I'm investing in the gospel. And, 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 and I know that there's going to be good that comes out of that. There is a product. There is a profit, if you will. And Paul is saying here, the profit to you is that you are partners in thousands and millions of people coming to know Christ. Because you've helped me be a part of all the things that I've gotten to do. So, so if that helps you think about giving, it's an opportunity to invest in, in God's business. And, and, and God is working and doing all kinds of things, and you get to be a part of that. So maybe that's a helpful—it's not just twisting your arm to, okay, pay up. Like, no, you're, a, you're, a, you're an investor. You're a ministry partner uh, in, in the work of God in, in sharing and spreading the gospel. Well, and, 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 and so I just think it's amazing that there are people that you will never, ever meet that you get to be a part of having an eternal— eternal benefit, eternal blessing, and eternal impact. There are people who are coming to have eternal life in Christ because of what you do as a partner. I just think that's amazing. And, and Paul thinks it's amazing too because he kind of mentions, if you look at verse 22, he, he kind of sneaks that in in a way that we should, we should take notes. He says, all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. And so he's already said, hey, you guys are partners. Guess what? Even Caesar's house is coming to know Christ. And you guys are a part of that. I, I, I just kind of love that little everybody that's coming to know Christ. But, it, but especially those that are in the most powerful person in the world's house. They're coming to know Christ too because of what you guys are doing. So neat, neat, neat thing there. Neat opportunity that we are partners in the gospel when we give. Okay, look at verses 17 through 18. He says, not that I seek the gift, meaning the stuff they've given him. He says, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. A fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And so Paul is grateful here, but he wants to make sure that they understand a key theological idea. And that is, giving is a spiritual act. More than it is a practical act, a physical act, it's a spiritual one. And and, and we need to be reminded of that from time to time. So notice that Paul says he wants them to have the fruit that increases their credit. And he says that the gifts that they have sent are fragrant offerings, sacrifices, pleasing to God. Again, this is kind of an incredible thing to think about, that, that when we give, there's a spiritual element to it. It's not just, it's not just about dollars and cents. I, I've worked in several churches, and 
Um, and, and I've seen lots of different behaviors and, and thoughts when it comes, you know, when it comes to money and, and giving and stuff. And, and I'll just give you a, a few examples that I have personally experienced. Uh, one time in a church I was at, a, a word got out that a big donation had come in. And, and it was, it was a, a big one, okay? And, and it had come, I think it came in like October uh, or something like that. Um, and and it, it was a big enough gift that it finished off what the church needed for the, that year's budget, okay? It was, it was a, a significant gift. And, and when word got out, nobody knew who, but when word got out that that had happened, guess what happened for the rest of the year? <laughs> right? The giving tanked. I, I mean, giving went almost in half. Uh, and and I mean, we were kind of like baffled. We're like, what is going on here? This is, this, you know, this is, this, is, this is odd. And so finally, you know, people kind of came and talked to me. And they were like, well, yeah, why would I keep giving if the budget has been met? Right? And, and you would say, well, that's a very practical way of thinking, sure. But giving isn't just a practical thing. And, and so I tried to explain to them, it, it's not just about the numbers that you see on paper, and maybe some of you look at the bulletin and, and keep track, and then you like the, the number thing. You go, oh, hey, we're doing great, or oh, we're a little bit behind, or oh boy, well, they're even above budget. Hey, well, that's great. I can, I can stop giving now. I don't know. But again, God's kingdom giving isn't just a practical thing. It's a spiritual thing. I, I've, I've had families that I know stop giving to the church because we chose the color of carpet that they didn't want. This is real. This is not a made-up story. Um, I, I, I've known families in churches I've worked at that stopped giving because we gave out too much money for a youth trip scholarship. I, I've had people stop giving to the church because they wanted to let people know the sermons were too long. Now this, uh, this is all real, unfortunately. This is all real. And I've got, I've got more than that, too many to list. Um, you know, somebody came when I— one of the churches I came to, somebody said, hey, just, a, just kind of a caution, just a note of warning. They said people vote with their pocketbooks. They, people vote with their checkbooks. And what they meant by that is they're not going to tell you, hey, I really wish we would do this kind of music. But if you stop doing the kind of music they like, they're not going to give anymore. And that's happened. Hey, I'm, I'm a big fan of the organ. You stop doing the organ, I'm not going to give anymore. I'm not going to tell you about it. I'm just not going to give you any more money. And then I'm going to leave and be angry. And again, I would just say, some of that stuff you could maybe justify if this is all just practical dollars and cents. But if this is a spiritual matter, then, then you need to hear it that way and, and, and see uh, that, that there's more going on than just all that. So here's, here's our reminder. It is an offering. It, it, it is a, some, something that's between you and God. It's meant to be something that you offer back to him as a way to, one, say thanks, as, as a way to show that you recognize he is the source of what you have. It's come from him. Giving also helps us break free from the power of money. You know, it's kind of a universal truth. The people that hold money the tightest are the most miserable. It doesn't matter how much they have. They're the most miserable. Uh, you know, you could just say, holding on to money will make you a bad person. I think that's true. Right? We, we, we've talked about Scrooge before. Yeah, it's a, it's a true, that's a true person. 
Right? You can become a Scrooge and hold on to money where it becomes the only thing that matters, and it doesn't work well for your soul to do that. And so again, this is an offering. This is a way to be partners in the gospel. You know, I, I, one of the to speak to the practical thing, I think also I would just say, you know, here at Kishwaukee, you know, I, I think it's good for you to know that you're you know, your giving is between you and God, and it is used for ministry. I'm, I'm not getting a $67 million jet anytime soon unless there's something you guys know that I don't know. But our, our church, in fact, has policies in place that things like that don't and won't happen. And, and so if there's a surplus in our budget, which is a terrific thing and we praise God for, that goes to other, we, we give extra to other ministries to make sure that theirs are covered too. We try to be generous. We don't just hoard and sit on piles of money around here. We want to see money used for the kingdom. That's what God has given it to us for. And so if you don't love a project maybe that we're going to come up with or the carpet color, just got to remember, this is a spiritual thing. God sees your gift as an offering. It's between you and him. It has nothing to do with, with that kind of, you know, earth, those kind of earthly decisions. And so remember that too, if I ever preach too long, you can, one, you can just come and tell me, right? That's the better way than, than to, I'm just going to vote with my checkbook and let you know how unhappy I am. I'd rather you just come tell me and we can talk about it. Okay, third thing, verse 19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, Lots of what we might call prosperity people have taken this verse too far. But it doesn't change what Paul just said. There is a promise there. It is good news. There is something there. I want us to remember as we start talking about this that the context of of chapter 4, which is learning to be content in every situation. Remember, that's what he's just said, I've been poor, I've been in prison, I've been beaten up, I've, all these things, I've learned how to be content. So, let's not go to the, see, he's promised riches for us, like some prosperity gospel preachers have said. Look at that, he just said he promised riches for, for his people. You should be rich because it's promised in Philippians 4.19. Paul wasn't rich. So if Paul's not rich, we shouldn't expect that that's what it means for us either. Okay, so first and foremost, we need to know we're talking about the gospel. That's, that's all Paul cares about in this point in his life, right? He's used this word a hundred times already through Philippians. He's talking about the gospel first. He's talking about Jesus. And so he's saying, look, God has brought us into the family of God. And so we have all we will ever need in Christ. And so that's a primary spiritual thing that we're talking about, right? He says, every need that you have will be met in Christ. He's first and foremost talking about the gospel, this great news, this great news that we have of redemption and freedom and, and forgiveness and, and, and all of the good news that we know of as the gospel. That's first and foremost what Paul is talking about. All the spiritual benefits of redemption and eternity and everlasting life and all of that that's that's the primary focus here but there is also a physical needs piece to this 
Because he's talking to them about giving and the giving that they've, they've done and how God has seen it as, a, as an offering and a sacrifice and, and all of that. And, and so just know that, that you know, scholars are kind of torn on what to do with this and how far to take this verse, and, and, and it, it gets a little bit mixed. And, and so it's important to try and not make this verse something that it isn't. But we have to say, God does take care of his people. And it does look like Paul is saying that when we give, God makes sure to meet our needs. I, I've experienced this in, 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 you know, certain ways in my life. I, I know, you know, people have also experienced crazy things. And if I asked you guys stories about giving and, and what, what has happened to you, when it, I'm sure there would be some stories out there about stuff like that. Maybe there, were, there have been times where you have given sacrificially. And, and somehow God blessed you in this unforeseen way and you didn't see it coming and, and he just kept giving more as you gave more. And I know that happens. I, I know that there's a, a story of, of a guy I know in Amarillo who he was in a service and he was talking about giving and it just in his heart he just said, I've got to give. And he'd been saving up money for a, a transmission. His car was failing and he needed money. So he'd been saving up. He did, wasn't a rich guy. He was saving up money to get himself a new transmission for his car. And so he had this kind of wad of cash ready to do that. And he just said, God is telling me to give this away. And I, he was panicked about it. He didn't know what to do. I, I, my car's not going to be running, but I know I'm supposed to give. And so he went forward and he placed it as an offering. And not five minutes later, somebody else who, didn't, who he didn't know came up to him and said, hey, the Lord put it on my heart. I'm a mechanic. And the Lord put it on my heart to say, anything you need, I'm going to do for free for you. Uh, what? Right? I, I don't know. I, I know stories. You guys probably have similar ones where, you know, you, 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 you were, there was a need and, and, and you had been giving, but, but, but then like in the mail, this an envelope just showed up, and it was the exact amount of money that you needed to pay whatever thing. I, I, I know that has happened. Now, now, these kinds of stories melt my brain and my theology. I don't know what to do with it, right? Um, I'm not, I, I don't know how to process all those necessarily other than to say God can do stuff like that when he wants to. Um, you know, I don't think we're supposed to kind of establish a theology around it. Um, I, I don't think we expect that that's the way it works every time. Uh, but God says in lots of places in Scripture that he will take care of us. Right? That's, a, that's a big thread of a theme all throughout Scripture is that God says he will take care of us. And I, and, and, and I will just say, giving is supposed to hurt. It's supposed to be a sacrifice. You know, from a pocketbook perspective, there's a sacrifice that comes with giving. And it's supposed to be a sacrifice. And you know, I've heard people say, you know, giving is sort of like a heart monitor. Uh, it, it shows you where your heart is. You, you know, it's, maybe you're like me. I, you know, giving doesn't always come naturally to me. Sometimes, sometimes it does in certain moments, but, but sometimes it doesn't either. It doesn't come always naturally. And I can worry and fret. And, and I think, you know, what God would tell me is to say, look, the reason you're worrying and fretting is because money has too much of a control of your heart in this moment. 
You need to let go and let your heart be free of, the, the, of that burden. And I think God would say, I'm, trust me, I am good and I take care of my people. Trust me. Let go. I, I know that's what he would say at times to me and to us. And, and so we don't give to get, but God says he will take care of his people. The Lord will take care of us. The Lord will provide. Okay, lastly, this is in verse 20. He says, to God, or to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And so my, my fourth point I want to make is this. Motives matter. God wants us to give as an offering to him and for his kingdom, right, for the gospel to go forward, all of that kind of stuff. And so, so motives matter. So don't give to get praise or get credit. I said it before, don't give to get. Um, you know, I, I've heard sermons and I've heard preachers say things like, you want to get rich, then start giving. You want to have more money than you know what to do with, start giving. Or, or things like, you can't outgive God, so the more you give, the more God's going to just put in your lap. Can we just maybe agree that when you give that way, if you're giving, going, boy, I want to give so that he'll put more in my lap, maybe your motives aren't quite in the right place. Maybe that's selfish giving. I'm giving so that I can get. And, and, and I would just say, theologically, you're trying to put God in a bind, right? God, I did my part. Now you got to bring it into me. Right? We, that's not a gift. Nobody wants to gift like that at Christmas. Hey, look what I gave you. I hope you get, you better give me more. I'll, I'll just back my pickup up to the garage. You can put, right? That's not a gift. Nobody wants to get like that. We would say that's not giving. That's blackmail. That's coercion. So if you're trying to give so to force God's hand to give you more, I, I don't think it's going to work out that way. And, and, you know, God will not be mocked. God will not uh, be treated like that. That's not how we're supposed to give. You know, and I've wanted to say things like that to, <laughs> to people who are only giving when they like what the church is doing, or when the carpet's the right color. Why are you giving? So that you can get the pet project that you want? So that, so that God will... will uh, you know, be forced to do it the way that you want to do it? No, it's a gift. It's an offering. So I'm, I'm thrilled to say that my experience here has been great. And, and I will remind you that I have no idea what any of you give. It's intentional that way. It should be that way. And I don't know or won't know. And so if you are giving tons, I don't have any idea that you're doing that. And so, you know, if you're the biggest giver in the church and you were kind of hoping that I'd give you, like, special recognition or something, I, I just know I don't have any clue that you're the biggest giver. If you are, I have no clue. So I'm sorry. Uh, I'd probably would try not to treat you any different if I did know, but I don't. I don't have a clue. And that's why I don't have a clue. And, and I'm also encouraged by this church because you guys give faithfully. 
you've, you, you have been dealing with this and have worked through the spiritual disciplines of what it means to give and, 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 and making sure that the needs of the church are taken care of. And, and, that, and that's so great. Uh, it, it is a joy to work in a church like that where we're not going, gosh, I'm not sure we're the, you know, I'm not sure if it was going to be enough. You know, we can't run the heater this week because giving was down too much. Right? We don't have that problem around here because you guys are faithful givers, and that's amazing to your credit. But all of us need a refresher. Uh, the Bible talks a lot about money and a lot about giving, and, and so we need to be reminded of God's truth from time to time. And, and we're kind of getting towards the end of the year. We don't really do a stewardship campaign around here like a lot of churches do. Um, and that's because you guys give faithfully. But it is time to start thinking about next year. If, what are my time, you know, what time should I be giving to the church? What talents do I have? What treasures, if you will, do I have that God is asking me to give to be a part of the ministry here at this church? So we are reminded of some of those big ideas of Scripture, that God loves a, a cheerful giver, and that giving is supposed to be a sacrifice. And, and the things that we've heard this morning, that you and I are given a special privilege in being a part of the, the gospel ministry. We're partners with God in His business. And we're partners with the other ministries whenever we give. And it's such a cool thing. Me thinking about what opportunity, how can I give, not what are they going to try to make me do. Or to be reminded that giving is a spiritual practice. It's meant to be a part of our relationship with God. That's a part of that relationship with Him. Third, to remember that God does take care of our needs. He meets our needs all the time. He is faithful. And, and He's first and foremost faithful and good and giving in Christ. You know, so we have all we'll ever need. Even if we starve to death, we have all we'll ever need because of the gospel, because of Jesus Christ. But he is also faithful with our material needs. God will provide. And, and finally, make sure that our motives are right. Are we giving for God's glory or are we giving for our own? Are we giving sacrificially or are we giving selfishly? And, and so our goal is to work to have a heart of generosity because God has been generous with us. He gave us his son. He's given us all that he could give us in his son. And so we have, we have life and hope in Christ. You know, I was, I was trying to remember this morning, there's a, a C.S. Lewis quote. I used to be able to quote it all the way, but basically it goes something like this. You know, he says, I, I, you know, I can't really answer the question, how much are we to give, other than to say probably more than you can spare. Probably more than you can spare is, is his answer to, you know, C.S. Lewis. And, and so he says, you know, if you, can, if you look around and the people who make the same as you, if you look exactly like them and you're able to have the same comforts and the same recreations and the same stuff in life as they do, you're probably giving too little is what he says. Probably giving too little. But, but here's the cool thing, that I don't get to decide what that looks like for you and, and you don't get to decide what that looks like for me. None of us do. That is a decision for you and God to be thinking through and, and working through. And you've got some time to kind of, as you prepare for 2024 and all of that, to remember, to remember that because of Christ, we have all we'll ever need. God promises he will provide, and we get to be partners in his ministry here at Kishwaukee and around the rest of the world uh, through all of our ministry partners too. So 
like the Philippians who joined with Paul from the beginning and said, we want to see you plant churches. We, we want to partner with you in that. That's, that's what we, you know, that should be our goal around here as well, to partner with God in his ministry, and the reward is the gospel. Let's pray. Father, I'm guilty like everyone else of worrying about money and thinking of trying to control money like it's something that's mine. And it is yours. God, so free us of that burden, free us of that kind of thinking. God, fill our hearts that we would be overjoyed to partner with you. And it's exciting to see that you are doing things in this church and in this community. You're using Kishwaukee, I think, for great things. And you are also using other ministries around us to do things that we can't do, to reach people that we can't reach all over the world. God, help us to have a heart to see your gospel be made known here and everywhere. God, give us, give us hearts to trust you above all else, that our relationship with you would look the way it's supposed to be, and in turn, that, that, that giving wouldn't be that big of an issue because we are, are right in our relationship with you. I thank you for loving us. Thank you for, for providing and taking care of us every single day. You are good and faithful. So we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.